my name is Pam Sutherland. And 58 years ago, my life started in diapers. Uh, hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi, I'm great. It's a good beautiful day. How are you? <laughs> good, good. You kind of had a big week this week with something going on at your household and your son, maybe? Yeah, my son turned 11. And uh, he's That's exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, he's getting older. So, you know, we just gave him money, which was for the first time, which was yeah. kind of like, Bleh. but the gifts that he wants are so expensive that you kind of just have to pull all the money together to purchase them like, <laughs> yeah. and just try to find something fun that he's not done before and making mm. it special because he's an only child and he's a little spoiled right <laughs> so, yeah. I have one fun. of those too <laughs> yeah like I took okay I had this idea right so I filled mm. a bunch of balloons with like coins and money and candy and I filled wow. his room with his floor with balloons. And I was like, I'm just going to let cool. these two boys go in there and just use their hands and pop as many balloons as they can, whatever they get, they can keep. Well, he, That's awesome. it was supposed to be fun, right? Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I put him in there. Well, his two friends figured out how to pop them. He couldn't figure out how to pop them. So then he started getting upset and oh, then he just no. kind of gave up. I'm just like, oh my God, like why does oh. anything just be fun? be fun and easy because like, he wanted me to make it special I was like well here's what we're gonna do to make it special and then it was just like it did not turn out the it way didn't it. work life never works out how we want it to does it no it was not <laughs> Facebook postable friendly <laughs> oh my goodness well did he still have a good birthday he did yeah okay. he did he loves spending time with his best friends and we went and saw a movie and we went to the, their favorite pizza place and oh, they won something out of the claw machine they spent like ten dollars <gasps> in the claw machine and won oh my gosh hey <laughs> like, if you walked away without one of them being in the claw machine I feel like that's a huge win my yeah. nephew ended up inside the claw machine once so oh my oh, yeah goodness. fire truck was called it was the whole thing <laughs> I would die I would die <laughs> It's it's so fitting for him though. He's awesome. I love him. Um <laughs> the president. Yeah. So that's good. That's that that's fun and kind of a big milestone. So congrats for eleven years of parenting. Woo. Yes. Nice. I tried to do my best. My first single mom birthday event. Oh, so it was, yeah. It was good. Good. Good, good. Well, I'm really excited today to be talking to Pam Sutherland. So Pam kind of a long story. Um, you know, I started Happy Bottoms in 2009 and then uh, moved away in, I think it was early 2011 or late 2010 um, with my now ex-husband for his dream job and, and had started this thing and it was snowballing and I needed somebody to take over. So I met a woman named Liz Sutherland who took over Happy Bottoms agreed to, to put all her heart and soul into it for five years and without ever getting paid a dime. And she uh, twisted Pam's arm into joining her, Pam Sutherland, who's her sister-in-law. And so <laughs> Pam and Liz and another woman, Linda Cavanaugh, are really responsible for a lot of the infrastructure of Happy Bottoms and, you know, setting us up for the amazing growth that we've had all these years later. So I love Pam. I feel like she's almost a founder of Happy Bottoms because she's been here since 
just about the beginning and she brings so much to the table at work so much support to me personally and um for the organization she's just too kind of brilliant <laughs> i think she's very subtly brilliant um and i enjoy working with her and learning from her and so i'm really excited to talk to pam Sutherland. okay um should we do yeah why don't you stop and then start again recording so yeah. tell us so well, first of all, welcome, Pam. Thank you. Welcome to the Thank podcast. You. We're excited to have you. Tell us, um, tell us a little bit about your early life. What was that like? Oh, you know, it was pretty normal. I was born in Wichita, Kansas, but I was the third of three children in three years. So the first picture of me was when I was one year old. <laughs> <laughs> and that's understandable. So there's not very many diaper pictures of me. Um, when I was uh, six, we moved to Puerto Rico for a year. And wow. yes, and I have such vivid memories. You know, when I look back on my, you know, growing up that year, I have so many very vivid memories. And the, the three things that kind of stand out were um, having a, a Cubano, a Cuban sandwich in Puerto Rico, because all the Cubans, had fled from Cuba with Castro and they had all these great restaurants. And I still remember the taste of that and have yet to taste anything that good. I've tried different places and I'm in search of the perfect Cuban sandwich. <laughs> so, Maybe in Miami. I, I know I need to go to Miami. <laughs> you might I, have to go back <laughs> to that to exact spot. The second thing I remember was, and this was the year, it was 1969, and there were, in New York, there was a real big clash with the, the Puerto Ricans and the police. There were all these issues. Well, we had riots in, in Puerto Rico during that time. And I can remember that they, we were in school and they locked us down and we could not go out and that we had to wait. And they were trying to make it seem just, you know, oh, we're just going to wait here. We're not going to go out in the courtyard and everything. But I knew something was wrong. And I can remember still just that day, not being able to go out and having to stay in the room. And then the third thing I remember was that was the first time I saw poverty. And, you know, we lived in San Juan, which is a huge city. And of course, you know, just like in the States, if you live in the suburbs, everything just seems nice and rosy and beautiful. But when we drive to school, we would drive down this, this, uh, this kind of this freeway or this major road. And I remember it was always to the left. There was a river and it was always very hazy. And there were shacks, if you will. I mean, now we would say like homeless tents and pitch up. But I couldn't understand what was going on. My brain couldn't understand. I remember my older sister explaining to me that these people didn't have any money. They didn't have a house to live in. And this is where they lived. And it was like something on the movie, kind of the sun was hazy in the background. He saw almost in, in silhouette, wow. um, all of these shacks that were built up and people just living down by the river. And that was the first time I had seen poverty. I'm so impressed that, that, 
A, you remember that because I can't remember what I did last week. <laughs> and B, that I mean, I, I, I guess just A, but it's obviously made a huge impact because you remember it from oh when you were six. Yeah. 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 So that made a huge impact on yeah. you at the time. Wow. Kindergarten and first grade. And I don't have a whole lot of, you know, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of memories, but that one was so, you know, distinct seeing that and not understanding what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I think about that now that that still could be true that for a lot of people, they've never seen it. Mm. They can't understand it. Absolutely. And so they, it, it kind of imposed their natural biases. Well, if you just work hard, if you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, you can overcome this, mm-hmm. but not really seeing and understanding. Mm-hmm. So. Did you go, okay, so you had two sisters. Uh, actually, at that time, I had three sisters, uh, two older, one younger, and okay. we were there, and uh, interesting enough, back in 1668-69-70 was the, I think they called it, I think they called it the Hong Kong flu, Asian flu, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was a, a world, it was a pandemic, if you will, on a much lower scale. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom got very sick and then she got wow. pregnant with my my wow. fourth sister. Okay. And decided my dad's kind of the project he was working on for this company was wrapping up and it was a good time to move back to the mainland. Okay. But I do remember her being really, really sick. And wow. that was another time where that was a worldwide pandemic not on the scale of what we're dealing with now but it was um it was pretty bad it was a pneumonia is basically what it turned into so did you go to school while you were there you did um what was that like (laughs) everybody was named hernandez my maiden my main name is hernandez and there were like (laughs) four other kids it was suzanne hernandez with the best penmanship and i always wanted to like her And, um, I can vouch. I think you have pretty good penmanship. That's <laughs> what uh, those Catholic schools will do to you. Right. Um, and I can remember that, you know, life was very different. Everything was very open air courtyards. Um, mm-hmm. And our school, the the name of it was Sacrado Corazon, which is Sacred Heart. But despite the fact I had limited Spanish, every lesson was in Spanish. Wow. And, oh I, and we had English lessons. <laughs> and of course, I was raised. <laughs> I know that one. Top like of the I class. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, I just kind of made my way through it. It, I, I, If anything, I would say, you know, it, it kind of helped me where, you know, I get into situations and, well, I don't know, but I'll figure out a way to get through this. And know? so was that a Catholic school? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, so you definitely. were Catholic school girl. Yes. Was did that continue after you la- after you came back to the yeah. states? So we moved back to Kansas City, and I grew up in Raytown, and because uh, you're a fellow Raytown yeah, girl, I, I yep, I am. Yeah. And um, <laughs> went to Our Lady of Lords mm-hmm. for grade school. Okay. Went to O'Hara. I went to Our Lady school. of Lords for CCD. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And that's where I went. So yeah, and then grew up in, in Raytown. Okay. So, so it was your and mom and dad and all your siblings and you. Yeah. 
yeah. Catholic family. Yeah. Pretty, you know, pretty uneventful um, in terms of, you know, growing up, just a big, loud family and probably not always, we were always had the necessities, didn't have a lot of extras, but we were always good. Yeah. Did your dad get overwhelmed by all the ladies in the house? Well, my husband said that my dad has a perpetual look of, on his face of, why me, God? <laughs> um, and I will say this. My dad, if nothing else, is a practical man. And so he stressed education and he stressed making it on your own. You know, don't, don't be looking for marrying somebody who's going to take care of it. I mean, you have to, you know, do it and he <laughs> this I we make fun of him still to this day but he would send like copies of articles and you have little boxes with all of my sister's name and you'd have to read it and check off that you read it and pass it to the next sister and it was things like you don't cry at work oh my gosh signs, you have a firm handshake not like a finish mm-hmm. you know he always had kind of these you know, tips and you had to pass it around and check off that you read it. So. That's incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. My yeah. dad was also a big proponent of a strong handshake and it stuck with me. And every time I shake a man's hand and it's kind of like soft and just like, I don't know. I, 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 I <laughs> like the and the joke in our family, well, actually I have a, a friend who I've, we've been friends since high school. So she just texted me today and um, she always jokes, you know, uh, when you meet my dad, it's uh, John Hernandez, I'm glad to meet you, you know. <laughs> so that's always her joke. And, you know, that's, I think that's a good thing. It have. is a so, good thing. Um, yeah, we, uh, we had a kind of a mixed bag, all girl, uh, all of us at one point or another played sports. Oh, Some wow. were much better at it than others. Um but it was, and your parents were busy getting you. Oh all my gosh! I mean, there were just yeah, there was to a, and from and always yeah. something going on. Always yeah. something going on. So, um, tell us about diapers. Did what? What you know? We all started out in diapers of some sort. <laughs> What's your diaper story? Um, well, my diaper story is because I was born in nineteen sixty three. Pampers came out in 1961. Wow. So I was a clock diaper baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember when my younger sister was born in 1970 that um, my mom was still using cloth, but we went to go visit um, her parents, my grandparents in Wichita. And she brought some Pampers. Or, and I shouldn't say Pampers. I, I, I just remember they're disposable. And so she put them in my sister who then got this horrible diaper rash, but you know, they were still a pretty new product. And then of course it was, you know, she's got four kids and a baby and the baby's got a diaper rash. And, you know, it was kind of a typical family trip where it was just kind of massive chaos. That may have been the same trip where we were driving back and had a blowout on the highway. We all had to climb into a semi. Oh my goodness! Have to ride somewhere. I don't remember that. I just wow, my how times have changed. Can you imagine doing that now? No. I always dream of that, though. I wish that I I I have a bit of wonderlust, and I just 
you know, my mom tells me stories about they grew up on the farm and they always had, forget what they called them, um, that, but they always had people sleeping in their barns. They would just, you know, be walking through, passing through, hey, can I do some work for some food? And so every night at dinner, they would put a, multiple plates of food out for whoever was passing through and needed a place to sleep. And, you know, I just think it would be interesting to still be able to meet people that way and converse with them and get to know other oh, humans who live stories. such a different life. Yeah. The stories <laughs> that they could talk. And wait, it's so different. Um, my mm-hmm. grandparents literally had a, the, the train track was yards from their house. Wow. And during the war, I mean, the, you know, they would, people would stop yeah. the soldiers on and off and, mm-hmm. you know, but ride the rails. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, it's very different. Wow. So did your mom ever switch to disposable or did she keep cloth for all four of you? I I remember that all of us, that she pretty much stuck with the cloth. And really, it wasn't until the 70s that they really started perfecting Mm -hmm. the disposable diapers. Mm -hmm. And there were so many um, cloth diaper services, Mm -hmm. you know, or you washed them yourself. I can remember the smell of Clorox and everything is... Wow. Those things, but also I can remember, you know, how wet overnight the you know my sister waking up and everything. I mean, it's a blessing to have the disposable diapers. They really are. Well, we talked to Tess Koppelman, and she talked about how when she was younger, she had a conversation with her mom and disposable was really a luxury. That was a yeah. yeah. That was like a you were you know, you had it good if you could get disposable diapers. And I feel we talked a little bit about how we almost have switched, like it's almost traded. Now it's kind of a luxury to, if you want to use cloth diapers, like you've got to, you've got to be able to afford it and have the time and energy to put into that. And it's just, it's almost like a shift. I think we're a much more mobile society. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, you pick up and go more frequently um, you know, I, I think back in the day, I think at one point, like my parents were a one car family. So mm-hmm. you were home and you, you know, could launder those cloth diapers. But mm-hmm. now, you know, two parents work and it's, you know, having cloth is for many people, it's not practical, but also like you said, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not really affordable. I, I feel like I use cloth the first year my son or first six months my son was born wow um, and I had I think I it was given like as a gift a diaper delivery service mm-hmm. set them out and um you know I think we lost one remote control somewhere in a <laughs> in a bucket <laughs> of diapers but, but so, I will say this, that, that going to the disposables once he started going like to a daycare and mm-hmm. um and overnight I mean it, it was a better deal mm-hmm. I did your parents everything. did both your parents work outside of the home uh not when I was no not, not when, when I was growing up yeah. I mean I it wasn't until I was like in grade school that my mom she's a nurse mm-hmm. and she went back to um nursing at that point I happened to be on Twitter yesterday and somebody I follow just happened to put the price of diapers. Oh my gosh, exclamation point. And so I looked at the trend or the feed. What is it called? 
feed? Feed, yeah, Twitter feed. And of course, people were saying, well, why don't you just use cloth diapers? And she brought up a really good point too. She's like, well, my, you know, I have four kids. My time is also worth something. My time is also valuable. So I have to factor that into the cost of what I'm doing too. You know, when people say, why don't you use cloth? I really would love to be able to engage and have a further conversation to find out their knowledge level of cloth diapers and their situation. Um, And I think we all, about everything, I mean, need to understand everyone's situation is different. Mm -hmm. and understand that I mean our first go-to so many times is well why don't you just do this and not understand that everyone's situation is different Mm -hmm. it's easy to say why don't you but we really need to understand you know there's good reasons why they don't and this woman just gave a really good reason that you know the time that she would spend on that she's got other kids to take care of exactly yeah so can you tell us something in your life that has grown out of a personal disaster? Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought about that. Um, and I mean, I have to say, I'm, I'm pretty blessed to not have, other than kind of the normal life, bumps and bruises. Uh, you know, I, I think I've been very blessed in this world. And, you know, I would say one of the things that came about, and I'll try to get there most concisely I can, but um, yeah, both of my, and you know this, Jill, both of my, my sons, you know, were diagnosed ADHD and you know, some learning disabilities and all the, the things that go with that. And um, finding solutions, finding help, it, it, at least older than now 15 20 years ago 20 years ago gosh um was not easy you know there just there was a really kind of a lack of general knowledge both with educators um both out there and it was a little bit of pre-internet google days mm-hmm. you know you just didn't look up a lot of information um and you know it, when i would have conversations with you know teachers i would get well they're just you know, spacey, lazy. I mean, they would list off all the things. I'm like, well, yeah, that's ADHD. Um, but, but it taught me how to problem solve in the sense of I look for people who know more than I do. Um, that when something goes wrong, I look for people that have a lot more knowledge and I like to pick people's brains accordingly and I mean I probably do this all the time too. why don't we ask so-and-so why don't we ask so and <laughs> that's one of the things that came from that is I like to gather information from different people who have been down that road before um, and that kind of helps me make decisions because you know people have so much experience and wisdom and I love to tap into that yeah. with other people how stressful was that for you as a mother no. You know, um, yeah, it was very stressful. You can't control it. You can't mm-hmm. put a band-aid on it. Um, if I were to describe it, I felt like I was at a crossroads. I was at a fork in the road. And if I didn't pick the right one, they were going to go down the road to complete ruin, utter ruin, you know. And I, there was no going back from this. I'm going to completely fail them. And we were behind the count a little bit. Um, you know, they 
were very smart, are very smart young men. Um, good school. We were fortunate to go to good school. And there were probably things inherently that I set up for them, structure systems. But nevertheless, I mean, it's, there's still a lot more that you that gets addressed with, you know, ADHD and what goes with that. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to tap into people I knew and get good resources um, to help out with that. But it's a long process. And I would say, well, this kind of goes back to understanding, you know, people would say, well, for my kid, and they came home with a C, I would, blah, 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 you know, well, and they did this, I would. And I think people are probably well-intentioned when they say that, but it's hard to listen to the other parents yeah. who make judgments. And I think we all do that. I'm right. still judgmental about things, but, you know, it's, it's trying to shut out the noise, take what you need, leave the rest. Mm -hmm. um, and there were times when I went with my gut despite the noise around me and I cannot say that there was a decision that was made that I regretted so well yeah because I mean I, I have to say how lucky your boys are because I do know some of the stories about the things that you have done for them and how you help set them up for success and they're pretty dang cool grown <laughs> adults who are cool. thriving and you know <laughs> they're amazing so and they still like me That's right because <laughs> I, I think I they me. know I think they know how lucky they are to have you I think that's really well, awesome I look at it now as a gift Mm -hmm. you know, with the passage of time, you can do, you know, I look back and say, if you look at it as a gift and you have to help them use their powers for good and not evil. <laughs> <laughs> so, Where's the fun in that? No. I know. But I'm going to say there are some things they do that make me laugh, you know? And yeah. I, there were times when they would say and do things and I would laugh and just, I probably shouldn't have, you know, because that made them do it even more. Right. So anyway. So I can empathize with you a little bit. My son, I had him evaluated when he was like four. Cause I was just, I thought he had Asperger's cause he was just so mm -hmm. different. He started reading when he was like three and a half. We went to the zoo when he was like three and a half and the sign said animals may not be visible due to weather. And he just, we walked up to the exhibit. He read that to me. <gasps> animals may not be visible due to weather at three and a half. And I was like, like I knew he, like I, he was reading, but I thought he was just memorizing because I would read to him so much. I thought he was just like, he had memorized it and was just, just repeating it back to me. But then I, that was when I realized, oh my God, something's going on here. And he, just things like that were, I don't know, like he reacted to things in like in a very intense way, everything. And still to this day, like everything has like this overblown reaction and he's in counseling and stuff, but you feel so helpless because it's hard to like understand their point of view oh, and it's hard goodness. not to get mad because it's yeah. so frustrating it is and I you know I I've apologized to both my sons I, there were things I did not handle correctly you know I, there were things that I said and I did not knowing that that didn't help them out any mm -hmm. um and you know you apologize you know especially my oldest I said you you know you're my test tube kid you know <laughs> <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes on you um but I, you know I think maybe everybody's on the spectrum a little bit yeah um and and just finding that balance now I will say this that when I meet 
individuals who are Asperger's or ADHD, I can pretty much spot it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a lot of time working with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a judgment or a labeling. Again, yeah. I think it's a gift. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good things that come about. But as a parent, you feel that sense of responsibility that, you know, how do right. I there's help? so much right there's you know there's no there's no guidebooks well there are there's no, hundreds of books no. but it's you know everybody's facing their own challenges and struggles and you always question am I doing the right thing how am I doing what am I doing and you just never know you just do the best you can yeah. um <laughs> yeah. and I will say this is that um I once had and it, again blessed to have people that guided me through this is um I was once told structure equals love. So my kids probably felt like they were structured out of control, you know, (laughs) Um, but you know, that, that really was how to help them is to provide a lot of structure in their world. So I remember, you know, all the parenting, but I read a ton of parenting books before I had my son because I wanted to be such a great parent, you know, and like the reward charts with the stickers and do oh, all yeah. positive reinforcement out the yahoo and um so my son when he was like two he kept running out like in the parking lot he just run away from me and i always said we're never gonna spank our child we're not doing that we're gonna do time out whatever and we did that for a while but when he kept running away from me i was like i don't know what else to do so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so one day he ran out in the parking lot and i said when your dad gets home he's gonna give you a spanking <laughs> My my husband at the time called me coming home from work and I was like, well, so you're going to have to give Jackson a spanking when you get home. And he's like, I thought we weren't spanking our kids. And then I'm taxed with this responsibility. It was kind of hilarious, but you just yeah. kind of have to do what works. I mean, that right. was a, a little flaw of the behind to me is a spank and yeah. you know, where you jolt them to, and the, that's funny to talk about the parking lot. I said to say, said, I was convinced one of my two sons was going to die in a parking lot. Ugh. I I mean, they even, as they got older, they go, <laughs> go into a parking lot and they would just take off and flail. And, and I was convinced one of them, I was going to lose them in a parking lot. It was after church. Uh, oh, church man. Was, oh, that we won't even go. They were, you know, and I've got crazy crazy stories of things and we can laugh about them now mm-hmm. um but you know you you do what you can for them you provide the structure you provide the love um you find others who know information mm-hmm. and so that you don't think you're going crazy and you're not the only one because you're not the only one mm-hmm. uh, so you said that um you know they still like you and so it just made me think were there are there um or were there things, rituals you did as a family growing up that you now do with your family and your no. grown children oh. <laughs> and, you know, that help keep, because it sounds like you're very, you're all very close with your whole family. And, yeah, yeah. and so what, a, tell, tell us a little bit about oh, that. And, well, so, you know, a Christmas story when mm-hmm. they have to go to the Chinese restaurant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have Chinese food Christmas night. <laughs> Oh my gosh. My son saw that and they wanted to do it. And typically we have a, a like a noon brunch mm-hmm. with my husband's family on Christmas Eve and you eat that. And, you know, by the time you get home and everything and, you know, 
seven o'clock rolls around, you're getting this package, you know? And so we watch a totally inappropriate Christmas movie and we eat Chinese. Oh, and we awesome. still do this to this uh, day. My sons are in their early 30s and they're like, oh, what Chinese are we getting? You know? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Sure, you want to do that? We have to. We do that every Christmas. Now that they are in their 30s yeah. and grown, and I know that you're a grandma, do you yeah. still get to spend the holidays with all of them all together? How's that working out? Um, you know, we uh, the pandemic kind of shifted things a little bit. So I host my family, being my sisters and their families, my parents who are still here on Christmas Eve and people are leaving, you know, sometimes at midnight. And then at noon the next day, we have my husband's family, siblings, nieces, nephews, everybody. Um, we did not with the pandemic, we obviously didn't do that. We just mm-hmm. did our small little, my sons and my daughter-in-law and my grandson, Charlie. Um, we kind of have to figure out our new tradition, mm-hmm. um, what that's going to be. We'll yeah. always find a way to to celebrate it. The nice part is that uh, they live close and we see them all the time. And I'm not a big, you have to be together on a certain date type person. Um, if something happened, you know, I feel like, hey, I just saw you <laughs> yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'll probably see you tomorrow. And I'm okay with that. So I'm not a big person on anniversary days. In fact, I forget mine. <laughs> <laughs> But you do have that sense of your family is really kind of your community, it seems like. Absolutely. They're they're your people. people. Yeah, not everybody has that. A lot of people, you know, don't get along with their family and don't have that family as community. So that I think that's really incredible and and very um precious almost I just you know it's really cool pretty much I mean I feel very fortunate like I said that my kids still like us Mm -hmm. (laughs) hey you you know we uh even before Charlotte well let's see he was born in 2019 that July 4th we went JC and Claire and baby Charlie and her belly um we went to my sister in Los Angeles where my son Eric lives so then we all hung out and did stuff there. And so it, it is. I mean, I like that That's awesome. we like to spend, that they spend time with their old parents. So. Yes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're all leaders in some way. Can you tell me how you are a leader? And if there was a defining point of person that led to that? Uh, you know, I think I try to shy away from being a leader, honestly. Um, I kind of get what is it that I'm going to butcher this saying, but you know, it's either it's thrust upon you or, you know, you seek it. And, um, you know, I've served on a couple of juries. I end up the foreman. And, or, you know, <laughs> things like you be in charge. Um, and I think it's just, I thought about this, that I think it's um, actually more so my mom mm. just get it done. And so usually because you're trying to get it done, everybody looks to you like, oh, well, they'll get it done. I'll have you in charge of it. <laughs> I'll let you be in charge of it. Um, and sometimes I think that's what happens. I mean, there's kind of a difference between that and somebody who truly 
takes charge and guides. Mm -hmm. So that my leadership more tends to be, I know this person will get it done. Mm -hmm. And you're very, you're a subtle leader, I think is a good way. You, you have such a good way of, um, helping guide others in the, in, in the right direction. I'm not wording this the right way, but, (laughs) you know, helping them see their blind spots sometimes and in such a disarming way, which I think is really, um, and and I would say that that came, you know, a lot of that came from helping my sons. I mean, there's, Mm you know, four different, you can read it, write it, see it, say it. And people learn differently. And sometimes trying to understand what is the best way for them to grasp the information Mm -hmm. and to move forward with it. And and I feel probably, maybe this is always good, but just a lot of compassion when people struggle. Mm -hmm. Because I remember, you know, I mean, I, heck, you know, give me algebra. I always say, if if I had a choice between brain surgery and a calculus problem, I would choose the brain surgery because I would probably (laughs) do better on it than I would calculus. Um, so I understand that, you know, struggling. Says the finance director. I know, different. Not. And the only person I know who uses algebra to this day is my husband, John Sutherland. Wow. He still uses algebra. Seriously. Oh, crazy. Oh what they do and the things they do. Yeah, he yeah. will solve for things. And then my son can do calculus in his head mm-hmm. and just look at something and say, here's the answer. And you say, how'd you get there? I don't know. And that's gross too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. There, okay, and there is a bit of, I always say he's a little bit on the spectrum um, because by day in college, he was a statistics PA and by night, he was a bartender. And so those are kind of two really different skill sets mm-hmm. and he excelled at, but it's kind of like Rain Man and Big Fawn, you know? Mm-hmm. He was- that's unique that he was able to do those two very opposite kind of personality and skill set mm-hmm. things with the bartending and the statistics, not many people. And I always thought, you know, before we started this conversation, I kind of thought that about you because you're very numbers oriented and very detailed and smart, but you also are very, very fun and have like a lot of personality. <laughs> There's not they many don't people. don't go together, do they? No, not many people have that. And I love it when people do. It's amazing. <laughs> I shouldn't be in numbers. I really shouldn't. But, <laughs> but you're so good at it. <laughs> it is incredible. Her ability to see the big picture things and then to just get down in the weeds is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I would say that's probably my struggle is that I want all the information to be correct. So I will go in the weeds to make sure it gets correct. Or when I see something, my first go-to is problem A, problem B, problem C. And I don't like that about myself. Truly, I don't. But immediately I see the details of everything that has to be done on a project. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, in, you know, I'm the time manager manager of the Sutherland household. Because my husband will be like, oh, we can go do this, this, and this. And the, <laughs> then I'll come back and it'll take an hour to do that. <laughs> an hour to do that. And my ex-husband's favorite phrase was, we'll just play it by ear. And that is like the oh. worst thing you can say to me. <laughs> not want to play it by ear. <laughs> oh, can I tell a play it by ear story? Yes, please do. So when my when my youngest was 18 months old and still in diapers, we took this trip to uh, Virginia. 
and we went to Colonial Williamsburg and all these sites. It'd be like, you know, kind of old history things. And my husband, let's play it by ear. We needed to be uh, at a hotel to fly out the next day at the end of this trip. And I'm a planner, but he's not. And he said, we'll just find a place near the airport. So, you know, pre-internet days and everything. And somehow he finds a place and it's dark and we're driving to go there. And he says, well, the map, the directions they gave me says we should turn right here. And he starts to take a right. And I see these blue runway lights. And I said, you're turning into the airport runway. Oh my gosh. And I'm freaking out. There was the driveway to the hotel, a fence, and the airport runway. We were pretty close to you know 18 months old to me is still a baby yes and they're still you're trying to make sure they sleep at night and you're hearing the oh my gosh right by the airport that was probably a long night long night you know babies you know god love them yeah absolutely um, okay, so what do you most value, Pam? I think we've talked about that. Probably my family. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I'm really lucky. I, my parents are still around. I've got sisters who are, you know, also my best friends, and um, you know, just lucky to be close to my son. And now my grandson, a grandson to me, um, mm-hmm. you know, just enjoy time with all of them. So. Um, and I, I do have a great group of friends and I have my happy bottoms work family. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I love doing it. I love working with this group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all have a mission. We all believe in what we're doing. Um, we all are trying to find the best way to get there and to do more and to help people. And just, it, it, you know, it makes me see the good in human nature, you know, all the people that are here. And I love doing it. I mean, that's why I do it. Yeah. Is every day you're in a boat rowing the same direction with people. You don't find that in a lot of places. No. You know, a lot of times people have, you know, other objectives that they're trying to achieve. And that's just, I love doing this. So my family, I got lots of different families. <laughs> awesome. So why do you think some of us end up in a pile of it and some of us get out clean? Do you know the answer to that? <laughs> no. You know, I, I, I some, you know, sometimes you get that survivor, survivor guilt. Mm-hmm. Like why all these good things happening to me? Why did I find a way to get out? Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm blessed to have parents who just taught me to, you know, to work hard. Um, they also said, you don't always get what you deserve and you don't always deserve what you get. My dad's famous phrase was, life's not fair. You know, you come home and you're like, life's not fair. <laughs> and then, um, you know, somehow knowing that it's not always going to be equal, mm-hmm. maybe that's it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that I wish I, I wish I knew why some people could and some people can't, you know, all I can, uh, I mean, I wish that somebody one time said something about, I don't know, talking about 
my kid or something. And, well, you had such great parents. And I said, I don't know that it's all my parenting that did it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that. Mm-hmm. You know, why some other kid maybe with the same issues mine did, it's continued, just continued to struggle. Mm-hmm. Why, why mine did, you know, you can just do your best. Um, ask for help. I think that's another thing. When you yeah. need help, ask and whether it's, which you know, is so hard to do. It it's is so, so many people really hard. struggle with asking for help. Yeah. It's hard. Well, and I think sometimes we shame people mm-hmm. for asking for help. You know, people shouldn't ask for diapers or mm-hmm. food stamps. And, you know, if you understood where they're coming from and why maybe this is something they need temporarily or they're going through a tough time, we shouldn't shame people for asking for help. And so maybe that's part of why some people do and some people don't is, you know, just afraid to ask for that help. I think gratefulness has a lot to do with it too. I have a friend whose husband is like the epitome of fitness and found out that he had stage four stomach cancer like two years ago. They thought he'd have like a couple months to live. It's probably been yeah, about two years ago. And she's very religious, Catholic religion. And she started doing this challenge where she would wake up every morning and she would post on Facebook something that she was grateful for, you know, even though she they have three young kids all under the age of four, her husband got di- this diagnosis and things were looking really dire. And she said, I'm just going to wake up every day and I'm going to, you know, put out there something that I'm grateful for. And she did that for a hundred days. And she said it really changed, you know, perspective has a lot to do with it. And if you can find gratefulness, it can sometimes lift you out of what could, you know, send you down a black hole. To be fair, for some people, that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say, well, all they need to get is a positive attitude. And maybe that's what we're supposed to be doing in this world is helping those other people. who They're just not there. And we just need to put out our hand and help them. Mm -hmm. So how do you think we're all the same? Oh, my gosh. Well, we all start out in diapers. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) We all need diapers. Yes, we do. It, it's hard right now. I mean, there's so many different things and such. Certainly, we live in a very divided country on a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. We're very divided. And I think trying to find a way where we're all the same, um, you know, understanding people's perspectives, that's what I was, you know, talking about. If there's a way that we can understand one another and where people come from, um, it's hard. I'm not great at it. Mm-hmm. But Maybe that's, you know, something we can all work towards is understanding we're all, you know, we're all the same in some ways. We just, maybe we think about things differently, but let's try and respect those. So, so are your, where are your parents from? Are they both from this area? Um, so interesting. My parents are both born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. And um, although they knew each other, they, they went to the same high school and they knew each other because it's pretty, you know, small town back then, but actually went to school in Dodge City at St. Mary's of the Plains. That's where they met, got engaged, and then, um, and my grandfather, my dad's father, actually rode the rails and came here. Mm. He, I guess they call it illegally, mm. um, and eventually became an American citizen in ninth, oh, I can't remember the year, but it was a present to my uncle who graduated from law school so he got his american citizenship now my um, 
grandmother, she never did. She did not know how to read or write. Wow. But they made sure that their kids' education was stressed. Um, so their kids got a college degrees and um, they just always, or I can remember that was like a big deal for my grandparents. What are your grades? How are you doing in school? What are your grades? What are you, you know, what are you doing? And fundraising. Um, my grandfather was always what? putting on um, dances at um, Our Lady of Perpetual Health to raise money. They were always wow. finding something to raise money. And I remember as a kid growing up, we would um, always have to volunteer for something. And it was the Our Lady of, there used to be this basketball tournament at O'Hara. And um, you know, every year my dad signed up and we would have to go mop the floors afterwards. We were always doing work shifts, volunteer shifts. And my so dad would just... take us along and, you know, you just, okay, I'm going to clean up this and you clean up and you're just always doing something, working a shift. That giving and that, um, that's just ingrained in you from it's, day one. Then. It's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, it, it's interesting because my grandparents didn't have a ton of money. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, they worked very, very, very hard um, and, you know, did in terms of, you know, did well for themselves in terms of working very, very hard, but it was just expected that, you know, got to put on a dance and raise some money, you know, yep. for, the, for the school. And, <laughs> you know, always, that kind of was your expectation. You got to get involved. You got to help, you know, mm -hmm. and, and do your part. You know, that just, that's what you are supposed to do in this world. All right. Thanks, Pam. What'd you think, Ashley? She's so fun. I love her. I always suspected she had a Latina background because she's got like that fieriness about her. Just that yes. fun. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, when she's in the room kind of feel and I love it about her. So it's good she, to learn more about her. Yeah, she is fun. I need to take some lessons from her on how to have more fun. I mean, she knows, she definitely... <laughs> knows how to be business and get the job done and do what needs to be done but boy she also let knows how to let loose and have a lot of fun so yes it was, yeah she's got the best of both worlds she's such a great asset to happy bottoms and both both ways she loves she does and i'm always excited to hear about writing the rail stories my grandfather rode the rails maybe when he was 18, um, out to California to go, wow. you know, just try to get work because that's what life was like back then. And I kind of always regret that I never really got the opportunity to sit down and hear those stories about what it was like to ride the rails and that kind of life and experience. And I just think kind of like we talked about with Pam, it's just so times are so different right now. And I hate that we can't connect maybe in ways that we used to connect and what is, you know, is that because we all have more biases, more preconceived notions? I, just, is it social media? What is it? I don't know. Ashley, do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just these one-off horror stories that we hear, you know, like yeah. every time I see a hitchhiker, I'm like, I would really like to help you, but there, I, there's no but way. But I can't. Can. <laughs> right. But I just no can't. way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so. I agree. We're going to have to find a professional to have on this show as our guest to dive into some of that a little more. It's going to be like a three hour podcast. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed and we look forward to uh, next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Bye.